0: Cats at night. Now here's John Katz This
1: is the John Katz Cats at Night Show, The number one show at five o'clock,
2: and uh, and uh, we <clears throat> we're here with the biggest news ever.
1: That's
3: it.
2: I mean, there's hot news in the studio with us. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, a prominent Democrat. Common sense, common sense, common sense, and two prominent Republicans today. We have Ed Cox, ten years GOP chairman of uh, New York State. And my brother, Rudy Washington. And his, you know, he's a brother with you guys the darkest exactly side of the family, uh, long, long, long cousins of George Washington, and I want Rudy to- Washington, the uh, deputy mayor. And I want you to remember that, John.
1: <laughs> John. John, before we get to all of our guests, we do have some... Breaking news, W.A.B.C. President Biden just got off the phone with uh, China's President Xi Jinping. And according to the Chinese media, they released an excerpt of the phone call where Xi Jinping sternly warned President Biden, quote, those who play with fire will only get burnt. He was referring to, of course, a United States involvement in Taiwan's independence. Again, Xi Jinping saying to Biden, those who play with fire will only get burnt, That sounds like a a happy little message there. You
4: think
0: that was a threat?
1: (laughs) What do you think, Uh, Cox? He's he's
0: trying to prevent Pelosi from going to Taiwan. It's as simple as that. The question is, will Biden tell her not to go?
1: My theory is if President Trump was in office, he wouldn't have had the gall to say something like that, or Trump would have said, hold, please, and while he went and pressed the red button, which wouldn't have been good either.
0: President Uh, Xi knows that President Putin successfully intimidated Biden, With respect to yeah, what I Ukraine. think President
5: Trump might have done, he might have said, well, maybe Pelosi's not the best person to go. I'm going.
0: <laughs>
5: that's, yeah. what he, that's what Trump might have would have done. Good point.
1: But I think that Xi Jinping wouldn't have had the this well, conversation
5: wouldn't have happened. You're right. We wouldn't have been no, no. going down this road at all. No, because
1: bullies, they like to prey on the weak. Are you saying that President Biden has demonstrated weakness? He's weak in every which way, and we've been talking about this for a long time. How many months did ago, Ed Cox? Smile off your face, Judge. I know, Ed, Ed Cox. How many months ago did you say we were headed to towards a recession? I uh, remember you recession. saying no, a stagflation. I, I've been, recession. I've been
0: saying it ever since the first quarter. You can see the second quarter is coming weak. We are now officially in a recession. No, we're not, no, no, we're no, not. No. That I forget. No, no. Of
4: course.
1: <laughs> Ed, yeah, come on! They're telling you don't believe your lying eyes. I know. <laughs> if they they can't even define what a woman is, never mind what is a recession. Can let's be real, this this place, this uh, administration. So no, by, this place can. Actually, well, this, this place. place I mean, this country. I mean, what is going on? We know what the definition of a recession is. For well, the Two last hundred, hundred years, years
4: of negative growth.
1: So do we have a? Now
2: let's play. Uh, uh, let's play. Uh, uh i, I interviewed uh, john solomon before we, we both of us i think he's back on the line
1: and on the line with us right now is intrepid investigative reporter extraordinaire of justthenews.com, dot com, john solomon john solomon what is the latest greatest breaking news
6: well, if
3: you hear all that whining coming out of the Treasury Department, it's because uh, we're officially in a recession. Today, uh, the new GDP numbers came out. We shrank for a second straight court. That's the textbook definition of a recession. So we're now in what is known as stagflation. We've got a declining economy and rising inflation. Uh, and uh, economists all across the country are extremely worried about what the next six months are going to look like. At this point, it's a mild recession, not a big one. But as this is going on, the Democrats finally get a version of their BBB. It looks like they've got a deal with Joe Manchin. If Krista Sinema also signs on, they're going to put $700 billion more of government spending onto this burning hot fire that is called inflation. Everybody I've talked with today, including the great economist Steve Moore, who used to advise President Trump, says that this will only worsen the economy, make the stagflation dynamic. Can, tell us more about it. More.
2: John, John Solomon, tell us a
3: little bit about it, because I don't think all Americans know about the, any details yet. Yeah, well, we don't either. We we know big numbers, but like most things the Democrats have been doing the last year, they don't give the fine print until after the vote is uh, occurred in Congress. It is $700 billion. It includes a lot of new taxes. Is that the same
2: uh, speech that Nancy Pelosi gave? It says. Please vote for the bill so we can find out what's in it. I mean, how, many, how stupid is the American
1: people? They expect the American people are really, really stupid when they do things like that. And I love that they call it bill back better. It should be bill back broke or bill, bill back bankrupt.
3: Maybe bill back blind because we don't know what's in it. I mean, it's, just, it's extraordinary. Uh, John, you hit it on the head. No person would sign their mortgage without reading the papers. We wouldn't sign. But the, our Congress does this. For the last year, that's how we got to a $30 trillion deficit. We haven't had a formal budget in over a decade. Uh, we live through the uh, hook and crook of uh, budget tricks, and that's why the American people are seeing the inflation we are. So Mansions in. Now, here's an interesting thing. We asked Kristen Sinema today, the other Democrat who's held out, what's in the plan? She's like, what plan? No one told me there's a deal. So they haven't caught her on board yet. So maybe she becomes the logjam that stops it again. She seemed to be offended that she didn't know about this deal. But if they were to pour $700 billion or more spending on the economy in the next 6 to 12 months, most economists I spoke to today say that is only going to worsen inflation. There are also is uh, some pretty big John, news the,
2: around. The, the 10-year treasury is down to 2.66. Wow. And we're forcing, we're forcing the country the, into a recession that doesn't have to happen. The hmm. real estate industry has been devastated uh, the uh, the first uh, uh, the home market is not is stopping because people are not going to pay six and a half seven percent for 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 thirty year mortgages. The uh, we're we're going to create a problem in the real estate industry that didn't have to happen. Are the banks problem. even lending giving out money? The banks have put their thumb down on the on the uh, on uh, the. No, the feds have put the thumb down on the the banks, lending money into the real estate industry. And that's going to create a
1: recession besides. So it's getting a new development.
3: Wow, You got it right on the money. Everyone I've talked to said almost identical today, John. This is a really bad situation. And the biggest problem is, and if you're a bank, you have to be worried because even if people's pay went up 5%, which it has in the last year, uh, the cost of living has gone up about 10%. So the people are running backwards in their wallets and in their home budgets. And that's a dynamic that scares banks about lending because they know that buying power is down, payment power is down. So we're we're heading into a really difficult time. And then here's one of my favorites because it ultimately shows the hypocrisy of official Washington. Today, the mayor of D.C., the same mayor who wouldn't accept uh, National Guard troops before the January 6th crisis, who didn't use national guard troops and criticized president trump when he suggested him for the blm riots in the summer of 2020 she called in the troops today because all of those migrants that are being busted into the district of Columbia by the state of texas uh, have just overrun the city and they can't serve them anymore so now it's okay to call the national guard when uh, texas migrants get to dc but not when there was a threat of violence at the capitol or where there was real violence Uh, in the days of the uh, George Floyd protests. A lot of people uh, having fun with that story and calling it out for what it is, a good example. of I remember when
2: Black Lives Matter, uh, John Solomon, was almost attacking the White House, and they had to evacuate the president of the United States into the sub-basement where those hidden rooms are.
3: Yeah, uh, it is remarkable uh, how Democrats and their media allies, because the media allies allow them to get away with this, how they're able to shift this narrative, uh, uh, even though most Americans are too smart to fall for it, they still try it, and uh, today the city is uh, reeling from those revelations and interesting interesting development, but you're right.
1: Well, John Solomon, as they say, if they want to get you, they're going to get you. You know, right, John? <laughs> <laughs> how true. Uh, they'll find a way. Well, thank you so much, John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. Again, that's JustTheNews.com. Thank you, John. Thanks, guys. So much breaking news, and we are now going to head over to Andrew McCarthy. He's a columnist for the National Review. He served as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District right here in New York. He also led the 1995 terrorism prosecution against Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman and 11 others. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Andy McCarthy.
7: Nice to
8: be with you.
4: Andy, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome. Welcome back indeed. You had a couple of interesting columns focusing on The January 6th committee and why they're they're pushing to try to get the prosecution of Trump by the Justice Department pushing forward and saying what's going on. And then you have the dilemma that uh, Merrick Garland is in, in trying to look like he's doing something for the the far left, but yet knowing that there's no case there. What do you have to say about this to us?
7: Well, I think the bright line, Judge, ought to be um, violence you know, so it seems to me that anybody who was involved in violence, where you can make a case that they were criminally complicit, meaning a riot was something that, uh, let's say, the president wanted to have happen and aided and abetted it happening, uh, then, you know, I think everybody should be prosecuted, whether you're the president down to the lowest level person. But they clearly don't have that case against former President Trump. In fact, They've prosecuted some 840 people on offenses uh, arising out of the Capitol riot, and they have never alleged in any of those cases that Trump was criminally complicit. They've indicted conspiracy cases. They've never cited the president or the former president as an unindicted co-conspirator. And I think the reason for that, among other things, is things like uh, a a strong piece of evidence that the committee continues to suppress, which is during his speech, Trump says, now we're all going to march peacefully and patriotically down to the Capitol. Now, yeah. put aside whether you think he should have done that. I don't think he should have done that, but it's evidence that he didn't intend, you know, a violent riot. Right. So,
5: so their so whole case, this is Rudy Washington. Their whole their whole case is a men's rear. Wouldn't you say? I
7: think, I, Rudy, I think on, um, on violence it definitely is. Now, if you turn to nonviolence, what I would suggest to people is two things. One is... Um, all of the nonviolent crimes they're thinking about, like obstructing uh, a congressional proceeding and defrauding the country on the basis of the stop the steal scheme, you know, first of all, the only way you could indict those cases is, is by criminalizing a frivolous legal theory. And I think all of us who've been involved in litigation can say frivolous legal theories ought to be condemned. They're, you know, they're, they're dumb, they hold up the works. But I got to tell you, when I was a prosecutor, If frivolous legal theories were a crime, I'd have been indicting five lawyers a day. So, you know, (laughs) know, we're just not going to do that. And here's the second thing. And I know this is very hard for people, but I but I would stress that you ought to try to do it. Let's pretend the Capitol riot didn't happen. You know, let's just put it out of your mind. So you put violence out of your mind if you can. Is there any chance we'd be talking about indicting President Trump or anyone else over Stop the Steal? We'd be looking at Stop the Steal like a stupid thing that shouldn't have happened, but we'd all have moved on by now. And what they're asking you to do is basically indict these charges that don't really um, connect to the riot in terms of connecting people's intent to violence and you know, charging him for those things – when in fact, the only reason we're even thinking about all this stuff is the riot, which he really is not criminally complicit for. I think, you know, you could make a very strong case that he should have been impeached over it, but it's not a crime. Well, that's, that's, that's a, what a good point, Andy,
4: because in another one of your columns, and I, and I read you religiously, you also pointed out that what you have here is you have a, a failure to acquit his responsibilities and acting quickly and decisively, which is maybe impeachable, but certainly not criminal.
7: Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think the the big problem here goes back to uh, the Democrats in in the House did an incompetent impeachment in January of twenty twenty one. And as long you know, it'd be one thing if they were in a mad rush because they wanted to do it before Trump was out of office so that the Senate could remove him. But once it was clear, you know, they took a week off after the riot instead of like proceeding with impeachment investigation the next day Um so once it was clear that Trump couldn't be removed from office anyway, there was no rush to do this investigation. And I think the January 6th committee now is doing the investigation the House should have done back then. But what they should have done back then was do a competent investigation. their election of dude. Articles- I- on dereliction of duty. Well, can
1: I ask, uh, Andy right. McArthur, let me ask you a question and any of you can actually answer the question. Do you guys find it coincidental at all? And clearly I'm being a little sarcastic that all of a sudden when you see Biden slipping dramatically in the polls where a CNN poll found 75% want a different candidate, 75% of Democrats want a different candidate and, and every single poll you see out there, it shows that Trump would actually beat Biden. And now again, two years after the fact almost, they're talking about indicting trump i mean wouldn't they have done it by now it's just the timing seems all too coincidental what do you think auntie mccarthy
7: well i think the the january 6th committee show and i'm calling it a show tongue-in-cheek but that's because it's not really a hearing i mean they don't have cross-examination they don't have alternative perspectives the timing of that 18 months after the riot but right on the cusp of when we're heading into the uh midterm uh campaign season is clearly timed to get people's minds off the train wreck that is the Biden administration and try to make Trump front and center. And what
4: about the train wreck that's the Hunter Biden scandal, which may lead back to, uh, to the big guy?
1: And we have a whistleblower. We have Senator Grassley saying that the FBI and the DOJ wanted to suppress negative information about Hunter Biden. If there was any kind of criminal investigation that should be launched, the evidence is pretty clear. It should be on Hunter Biden.
7: Well, I think it's it's more than Hunter. I think Hunter Biden is probably the least important Biden in the Hunter Biden investigation. But you know, I think the whole the interesting thing Grassley's letter has a lot of interesting information in it. It's not the most linear thing I've ever read, so it was a little bit hard for me to plot out this timeline. But I spent a little time on it uh, last night. I think what happened there is kind of the um, same thing that happened with Hillary Clinton and the FBI in 2016 when they came up with this Trump Russia. Um, collusion narrative that was the theme of the of the 2016 campaign. It looks to me like what happened here is the Democrats in the Senate know that Grassley and Johnson are investigating Hunter Biden. At that point, it was on the basis of all these suspicious activity reports that the banks were uh, coming up with because of all the foreign money that was floating around. So what happens is the Democrats in July of 2020 – Reach out to the FBI and they ask for a uh, briefing on foreign interference with the election. Uh, And they have a couple of FBI guys who appear to be, you know, anti Trump guys. Uh, And there's reporting about that. And what they do is the FBI says, oh, sure, we'll give you uh, a briefing. And in August 2020, they give the Democrats a briefing. The Democrats then leak the brief, uh, the fact that they got a briefing on foreign interference in the election, which they tie to the Hunter Biden information, and that becomes the kernel of this claim that all of the Hunter Biden stuff is Russian disinformation, which when the New York Post, and was it October of 2020, breaks the story about the laptop, they fold that right into the laptop, you know, the laptop goes right into this story. So mm-hmm. I think this is this could be yet another instance where the Democrats and the FBI kind of put their little heads together and came up with um, with a Russia conspiracy.
5: Well, you know, Andy, uh, this is Rudy Washington again. I would like to go someplace else with this. Uh, I've been very disappointed in our Supreme Court. Um, I I believe when they impeached uh, the president, uh, basically you had a constitutional crisis. And they sat silently and allowed a travesty of law to take place and and did not weigh in. I was also disappointed during the election when 17 states' attorney generals Went to file for a hearing at the at the original court of jurisdiction, the Supreme Court. Roberts wouldn't take the case; they didn't want to be involved in politics. You don't get chance to sidestep tough questions. You know that's what they're there for. They're the third level of government, and they have basically obfuscated all of their responsibility.
7: Yeah, well, I look. I I think they should have taken the Pennsylvania case because there's a, pro, a profound constitutional question about who makes the rules for state elections. Is it the legislature? Andrew, we got to
5: move on shortly, but let me leave you with this. I believe the Supreme Court just ruled last month on the EPA case where they say unelected bureaucrats cannot change election law. That's what the legislatures are there for.
4: No, and that's not the EPA case. Was. Well,
7: yeah, yeah, they didn't. No, say no, that. no, no, no. Well, we which, no. What was they that? did,
4: what, what the Supreme Court did, is they granted certiorari on North Carolina case, which hopefully will settle the constitutional issue that it's only the state
2: legislatures We're who can make in the rules. rules. We to, we to take a break. We're going to <laughs> take a break. We have to take a break. Andrew McCarthy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank, thank you for you, speaking Andy. out for America.
1: We still got a great show for everyone. Thank you so much, Andy McCarthy. We're going to have Lou Dobbs and then Gordon Chang. No, no.
2: no. We got Gordon Chang. Is Gordon Chang ready to go? Oh,
1: that's right. Not yet. After the break. After the break, we're going to have Gordon Chang and then Lou Dobbs, right? Okay. Keep it right here. Cats at Night.
0: This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast
2: Network. With us today is Gordon G. Chang.
9: Gordon, I understand
2: there's some breaking news coming in. Tell
9: us what's going on. China, after the phone call with Biden this morning... Um, said that the United States was playing with fire and it was going to be burnt. That is an escalation in rhetoric, and clearly it's a warning to the Biden administration. And so far, we have not heard anything from the White House in response other than a very bland readout of the phone call. Wow. I mean, that's a
2: going to be burnt. I mean, it, it, that that's a clear threat
9: in my uh, language. I mean, how do you read it, Gordon? That's certainly a threat. Um, whether you're on the streets of New York or the streets of Beijing, it's unmistakable. Beijing has now thrown down a challenge to the President of the United States, and we're going to see how the Oval Office responds. That is very disturbing. And-,
2: and, and, you know, me and you have discussed it, we've discussed it a lot, that uh, this is a different kind of war uh, with China. It's not a war with bullets. It's not a war with... Uh, nuclear weapons. It's a war of, of who's smarter, I think it is. I think that's what it comes down to. And, you know, our borders are under attack, our our uh, legal system is under attack. And and, and uh, t- tell us, uh, that now they're threatening the Speaker not to go to Taiwan. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, wants to go to Taiwan, and they don't think it's a good idea. Tell us how you feel about it.
9: I believe that she must go, and it's, she must go because Beijing has now made this a test of wills. Now, the speaker has an Asia trip. It's um, not been formally announced, um, so there is some wiggle room. But what will happen if she doesn't go is that America's friends in Taipei will say that the U, uh, will. Will be under attack they'll be delegitimized because china's collaborators in taiwan will say that the u.s is unreliable and so therefore taiwan must submit to beijing so this is critical we can't afford to lose taiwan because first of all taiwan makes 92 percent of the world's made-to-order computer chips these are the world's most sophisticated chips but there's something more important john And that is that for more than a century, the U.S. has drawn its western defense perimeter off the coast of East Asia. Taiwan sits in the center of that critical perimeter. And we cannot afford to allow China to take any democracy as democracy is under attack around the world. We can't allow China to absorb any democracy, especially one as important as Taiwan. So this is one of those critical moments in U.S.-China relations. North Korea
2: threats. What, what, are, what threats are coming from North Korea lately?
9: Well, Kim Jong-un just a few hours ago uh, threatened to use his nuclear weapons um, against the United States and South Korea. This is something that we have heard from time to time in the past because these threats are unspecific. And they're generally couched in uh, the terms of defense, that if uh, we attack North Korea, North Korea will use its most destructive weaponry. Um, I actually don't think that uh, North Korea is um, at a boiling point right now. Right now, the North Koreans, I think, are really focused on home um, more than focused on South Korea and the United States.
2: Uh, we've got a minute left, uh, uh, Gordon. Uh, what else would you like to tell the American people? I mean, uh, is, is there, you know, we've talked in the past, they're coming at us from so many directions. And and I said, it's not a a war with bullets. It's not a war with nuclear weapons. But they are outsmarting us in so many ways. What other way, TikTok, look at what's going on with TikTok. What other way do the American people not really know about yet?
9: We do not comprehend the comprehensive nature of China's efforts to take down the United States. That they are malicious, and that they are using disease, they're using fentanyl, and they're using other things to destroy our society, Gordon Chang. Thank you for making uh
2: the American people smarter because we have to be a little bit smarter to be to to win at the end of the day and uh anybody wants to catch up with Gordon Chang, keep on his twitter at Gordon G Chang that is his Twitter that you know the up to the minute news. Gordon, we'll catch up with you again real
1: soon.
9: Thank you so much, John. Uh,
1: this morning, uh, That was host. a great interview there. We still got a great show for everyone. Keep it right here. We're going to speak to Senator Dan Sullivan, Reverend Al Cockfield, Ryan Payne. But up next, Lou Dobbs.
0: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the John Catsmatidis Cats at Night Show. No one can say that John, you don't think of everything. That was your—that was your brilliant <laughs> well, idea, we have
2: Senator Dan uh, Sullivan, Sullivan, S- Sullivan
6: of Alaska. Sullivan of Alaska on. And hey, John, I love I love the intro music. Well,
2: I, I figured we want you to be at home. It the was great. From home, we Man, want you to be at you home. You guys,
6: I love being on this show. Uh, uh, all the great topics, great yep. people, so great to be on the show again.
2: Senator, uh, we just had breaking news that uh, uh, Premier or uh, President C just uh, threatened uh, uh, President Biden in our country. Have you heard about it yet?
6: No, I have not heard about it. Do you um, have a playback
1: on that? Already? Well, he said, according to the Chinese media, President Xi, Xi Jinping of China said to President Biden, those who play with fire will get burnt. And that phone call lasted for two hours. So I, I don't know. Do you? It's, senator, it's just. Ed pat- Cox,
0: you've been to, tai- you were to tai- Taipei in Taiwan recently. Haven't you been?
6: Yeah, I went there as a senator. But, you know, uh, even more important than that, my. My first deployment as a U.S. Marine was to the Taiwan Strait as part of an amphibious ready group. You might remember 1995-96, that was the last big crisis in the Taiwan Strait. President Clinton, to his credit, sent two carrier battle groups, two carrier strike groups, and a Marine amphibious ready group. My, I was a young infantry officer in that, on one of those big ships. My ship was actually in the Taiwan Strait looking across the Strait, telling China, don't even think about it. They were threatening to invade Taiwan, and uh, they were shooting missiles over Taiwan at the time because it was on the eve of their first presidential election. And, you know, my view, and I had a recent discussion with the Chinese ambassador, we view Taiwan as a core interest with the Taiwan Relations Act. Our country has been committed to that island democracy for decades. American service members, myself included, have deployed to uh, keep them free, and the Taiwan Relations Act, which was passed in the late '70s, says that we will support Taiwan from any coercion and any means of the relationship across the Strait has to be peaceful. So, so, Senator, what, what, Xi Jinping what, is playing with fire. Uh, we got he's playing know, with a, fire. So, what? What? You look- got the best damn military in the world still, and. Um, You know, that's the other thing. Obviously, this is all about the Pelosi visit, whether she's going or not. Uh, My view is that, you know, I haven't mentioned this to a number of my Republican colleagues today. I don't normally get up and support Nancy Pelosi on many things. I don't think I've ever done that. But I support her trip, right? Um, American senators, American congressmen and women have been – Uh, going to the island democracy of Taiwan for decades. I was there, you guys might remember, last year I led a bipartisan delegation of senators to Taiwan delivering them vaccines because the Chinese were trying to strangle them from getting any Western vaccines. We showed up on a C-17 saying the American people support Taiwan. So this is a tense moment. There's no doubt about it. But, um, you know, Xi Jinping is playing with fire.
1: What do we think uh, President Biden, his response was?
6: Well, look, I think right now the reason I I have publicly stated I'm supporting uh, Speaker Pelosi, if she goes, is we need to we need to close ranks as Americans. Right. Um, You know, I can go into in some ways, Joe Biden's very loose uh, speech on this issue is kind of what caused it right? Revealing or indicating that the military and others had splits in their views on Pelosi's trip. That's just not smart, right? That's not smart. And in a lot of ways, you know, he says things that create problems because he's not disciplined in how he speaks. That's a problem for America. But my view at this moment is, you know, if the speaker is going to go, we should support that. I certainly support it because you don't want the Chinese Communist Party telling American elected officials where they can and cannot travel.
5: Yeah, uh, Senator Rudy Washington, last night, uh, Senator Tom Cotton said that if Nancy Pelosi was to ask him to attend with her, he would go.
6: Well, the thing that I've been saying throughout this whole thing, I I don't know who's on her delegation, but I hope it's bipartisan. Right. Because that's another strong message. When I went to Taiwan, uh, I went with Senator Tammy Duckworth, Iraq war veteran, you know, severely wounded war hero. And she's a Democrat. And uh, Senator Chris Coons. So it was me and two prominent Democrat senators. It was bipartisan. And the whole country was waiting for those vaccines. And they appreciated America's support and they appreciated that it was a bipartisan
0: Uh, delegation. Uh, Senator, uh, President Xi's got a bunch of problems and he's up looking for an unprecedented third term to lead the the country. Uh, That's going to come up probably in October. Now, he's got uh, the lockdowns are not working. The total lockdowns are not working. The economy is not growing, probably for other reasons, too, that the party is trying to influence. That's putting a wet blanket on the entrepreneurs and on business. So how does, how does this threat of his fit into all that?
6: Well, Ed, you know, I think it, this is history repeating itself in so many ways. You, you just described the challenges that he has. He is literally trying to be Mao Zedong 2.0, and is he, he's on his way to doing it, uh, emperor for life. But as you know, dictators in particular— and there's a million examples throughout history, Uh, Putin's one, Hitler's another one, when they have internal domestic challenges, they often say the best way to unify my people who are getting angry at me as their dictator because their life uh, and economic uh, prospects are declining is to go create a foreign crisis. And I think you're onto something here that this is probably his way to divert the attention of his big challenges. His COVID zero lockdown policy, as you're saying, is a total disaster. And um, so they might be rallying or trying to rally their people to take their attention away from the domestic challenges and turmoil. Right. There's been protests and stuff in China. It doesn't ever make the news. And aren't the banks
2: closed in China too, uh, Senator?
6: Well, I've, I've, uh, John, to your point, I've read about um, some financial issues that are relating to the economic slowdown. So, as you know, it's always hard to get information, even from our intel agencies, on what's happening in uh, an opaque uh, uh, dictatorship like China. But there are reports of those kind of challenges too. So again, Ed, your point is exactly right. In some ways, this is not even um, that surprising, but uh, I do think Americans, all of us elected officials need to support uh, the speaker's trip. I did that yesterday in a meeting with the Chinese ambassador saying if she goes, then what you're going to see likely is broad-based support Democrats, Republicans, senators, and congressmen and congresswomen, because we should not have a, a dictatorship. Dictate to us where we can travel.
1: Senator Sullivan, uh, this is Lydia Serrani. So I, I feel that there's are, there are three reasons as to why Xi Jinping was so bold and so brazen with the president as to say to him, those who play with fire will get burnt. I think it's because we're no longer energy independent, so we've made ourselves weaker. Look what we did in Afghanistan. That was the bungle of all bungles. And Xi Jinping knows that Putin has his back.
6: Well, look, Lydia, I couldn't agree more. And as you know, um, I talk about the energy issues all the time. And I love talking about them on your show with all of you guys. Um, But the one thing that people miss, and the reason I get so darn frustrated with this administration, is that... uh, We're in a new era of authoritarian aggression led by China and Putin and Russia. It's led by dictators who are increasingly isolated, increasingly taking aggressive actions, paranoid about their democratic neighbors and willing to use aggressive force. We're seeing that in Ukraine. We're seeing it across the Taiwan Strait. But America has enormous strategic advantages over these two dictatorships. One of the biggest is our incredible energy um, abundance and our natural resource abundance. If you read the intel, Putin and Xi Jinping are scared of American energy dominance. So what we should be doing is unleashing it for us, for our allies across the globe, one of the biggest, I think the biggest strategic mistake of this administration, colossal strategic mistake, is they came in on day one to shut down the production of American energy and help unilaterally and help surrender
2: it. And Senator, to help everybody else, to help the enemies of the United States and hurt North America, hurt the United States of America. And that is wrong, what they're doing.
1: We weakened our national security. We we weakened our financial security. We are just weak all the way around with that one stroke of a pen when he signed that executive order and he canceled the Keystone Pipeline. If it was President Trump, they were judging on the
2: same same pretense. They would have impeached him and they would have charged him with treason already.
6: Well, I mean, think about it. The Trump administration working with the Republican Senate came in four years. We became energy, not only energy independent, energy dominant globally. And what happened, these guys come in. Lydia, to your point, they not only shut down production of American energy. Trust me, I see in Alaska all the dang time. They on day one said we're going to cancel and slow roll energy infrastructure, pipelines, LNG terminals. They've gotten the woke banks in wall street to blackball investing in the american energy sector all of that has the predictable result of driving up costs on working families of empowering dictators of laying off energy workers and then and then the president goes abroad and his uh you know people go abroad begging dictators for oil he went to saudi arabia and bent the knee right we don't By the bend way, the Senator, knee. we don 't bend the, the knee in America the,
2: the day, Only to God the day he went to Saudi Arabia and put his knee down and kissed the Saudi Arabian ring, thinking that that we may make a deal with Saudi Arabia more oil. The price of oil went to $89. Could you imagine if the president of the United States stood up in Washington and said, we're going to open up North America. We're going to open up Alaska. We're going to open up Canada. The price of oil will go down to $65, and inflation goes away, Senator.
6: There's a, you're John, you're 110% Bravo. right. And what these guys don't understand is that these policies, they don't even help the environment. Alaska has the highest standards on the production and exploration of, for the environment of any place on the planet Earth. You think the Saudis care about the environment more than we do in Alaska? No way. So they're not even helping. You think Russia the cares about the
2: environment? How about Venezuela? Don't yeah.
6: forget By Venezuela.
2: The way, <laughs> we have to take a break, Senator. But one last thing. China is building a hundred and fifty coal plants in one year. Two hundred and forty-eight. Two hundred forty-eight coal plants in one year. Will somebody tell,
1: uh, you know, John Kerry that they're not following John Kerry's rules? Well, they don't know what a woman is. They don't know what a recession is. So maybe they don't know that we're on the same planet as China. Maybe uh, that's, that's, it. It. that's <laughs> it. Maybe that's Senator, what it. Senator, thank you so much for hey, coming John, on.
6: Always great to be on the show. I look forward to being on it next time. Thank and, you- uh, Thanks for all keep, your great keep work, you guys for are doing. America. By the way, uh, you got to play the song again. I loved it. Yeah.
8: <laughs> 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 Big Sam
5: left
4: Seattle
8: in
2: the year of
5: ninety-two. Love
6: it, love <laughs> it,
5: Senator. Thank you, all right, Senator. we'll See
2: you guys. And now we're gonna go to the pain.
1: Ryan Payne. Ryan
2: Payne and Ryan. The the, the interest nothing. rates are going up. They're destroying, the, they, they, they're destroying the real estate industry. Uh, the, one of the government authorities, I forget which one, has put their thumb down and all the major banks telling them don't lend money to real estate and you have to change your, your numbers. Not only that, then Senator Schumer makes a deal for Mansion to raise the taxes on the rest of the industries in America. So you're destroying the real estate industry by raising the interest rates. You're going to destroy the, the chip industry. You're going to destroy manufacturing. Ryan Payne, what say you?
8: Well, I think, you know, bottom line is the Fed's going to pivot. I said that last time. So we did see, you know, 0.75% rate hikes. But look at the 10-year treasury, John. It's down at 2.67%. It's under 2.7%. So I, I do think the Fed is almost done. I think they may raise again in September, but the economy slowed. We saw GDP growth. Apparently, it's a technical recession. Um, I don't know if that's a real recession or not. It depends on what political party you talk to. But I I think these are all the reasons why the economy is slowing. And if it does slow, I don't think the Fed's going to continue to raise interest rates. And I'd argue that's probably the best thing that could possibly happen because that'll bring back real estate. Um, But again, if the Democrats start taxing, Uh, These companies, additionally, that's going to be more inflation, right, which we're trying to get rid of because the American people are feeling it right now in a big, big way.
0: But but meanwhile, Ed Cox here, but meanwhile, uh, leading up to the November elections, we've got inflation and we've also got a very slow economy. That's stagflation, isn't it? And when was the last time you heard that word stagflation used?
8: Well, the 70s were a great time for music, uh, but not a great time for the economy.
0: That's it. Jimmy Carter.
8: So it's been a long time, and I think that's the biggest concern here, right? I mean, you had 9.1% inflation last month. Wages were up over 5%. When you have wages going up less than the cost of living, that's not real helpful to the American people, right? So, you know, I think we have to see here, and I think you are starting to see it, is commodity prices have come down. Uh, John, I'll give you credit. You called for oil going under $100 a barrel. It's there now. Um, Hope you can read the tea leaves and tell us where it's going next. But I think if inflation is really coming down, I believe it is, and we still have this labor shortage, we probably will get out of this stagflation. It won't look like the '70s, but it's critical that that inflation comes down. If it doesn't, stagflation's here, and you have a situation just like the 1970s.
2: I think the only difference is uh, uh, Jimmy Carter had the stagflation, and the way we were, and me and Ned Cox were talking, at least Jimmy Carter loved America. He was an Annapolis <laughs> graduate and he loved America. He made a lot of mistakes. But deep down inside, we know he loved America. Now I'm scratching my head about right now.
8: Yeah, it's a dire time right now, right? Because you're right. You're hearing, you know, a lot of the a lot of what you're hearing out of the White House right now is not really pro America. It's not really pro get business going. It's very anti business, right? And we know America, the business of America is business. So I, I think that is problematic, and you need to give support to businesses and to try to tax them more when they're already dealing with a labor shortage. They're already dealing with supply chain issues. It's probably the wrong strategy.
2: So we got a minute left. What else do you have to tell, uh, tell uh, All America?
8: I All America is, well, first off, I am... Blue. And by the way,
2: I didn't I introduce office. you. You have to tell All America who you are.
8: Ryan Payne, president of Payne Capital Management. I'm on every weekend on WABC. Check out my show on Water Clock, on the More Money show. My dad and I do a, a segment there, and you can check out my podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. If you go to BeBullish.com. Um, and I am bullish because I do think the market action is telling you that the economy is in better shape than the headlines are saying, right? We're seeing beats on estimates. Companies are navigating through supply chain issues. And, again, inflation is starting to come down and wages are going to stay strong. These aren't bad things. No matter what they tell you out there, I think overall the economy is going to somehow going to make it here. I'm optimistic on America. I'm bullish on America and the market.
1: Well, thank you so much, Ryan Payne. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Thank you. Now, coming up, we will be speaking with Reverend Al Cockfield. We're going to talk about another war that's going on, the one on the streets between those who want law and those who don't want it
5: law.com. Frank
0: Bruno.
2: He's your numero uno.
0: It's cats at night on the Red Apple podcast network.
2: And we're back. This is John He's the number one show at five o'clock that that we're fair minded people against Democrats and with Republicans. And and with us today is Reverend Al Caulfield. And uh, Reverend, how are you today? I'm not as good as you, John, but I won't complain.
10: How are you? Okay. Well,
2: I'm in sunny New York, and uh, you're down in Atlanta here. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us, uh, the the common sense Democrats. There's a war going on with crazy Democrats. Tell us something about it.
10: Listen, John. It's it's. I, I hate to call them Democrats. They're actually left of democrats. They're not actual democrats. They're imposters if you will. They have a agenda that is not pro uh, business, public safety, parent choice for education. It's unbelievable. I don't know where these people come from
2: the far left no no way no, no, hey, i think they,
10: they came in from
2: central
1: america across the borders and and they came to brooklyn to break your chops Reverend Cockfield what is your reaction to seeing like the kid fighting with the cop and just a few days earlier, he had been busted for a Midtown robbery and then just less than a year earlier busted with a loaded gun and he was just let off. He was allowed to just walk free. That is not what bail reform was was meant to do. Bail reform was supposed to prevent people like Khalif Browder from being in Rikers for stealing a backpack. Bail reform was not for people that are repeat offenders over and over and over again, violent, even beating up violent, cops. Violent. Yeah. Violent. Yeah. Violent, violent let, let, to let, just let walk around. Violent. But I, even I shoplifters that. that shoplift a hundred times should not be allowed to just like do whatever they want to though. Amen. To that. I, I
10: I agree with you. But but more particularly violent offenders should be behind the bars. They should not be I don't know how people are sleeping in their beds peacefully and they know that people are on the street who have a history of violent crimes of it's, it's the reason why crime is so high is because we have repeat offenders. Keep getting out and doing again. They feel like they're the
0: untouchables. Now, Reverend Ed Cox, here, you, you you're doing something about this, aren't you? You're setting up a pack, and what's the purpose of it?
10: The name of my pack is striving for a better New York. I'm focused on re- Democrats, Republicans, or Independents. Anybody who has common sense that understands that public safety is the path to prosperity. There is no way. There is no way you can do well without being able to have public safety. You need public safety. You need parents' opportunity to choose an education for their child that suits their learning style. The fact that these people feel like they can tell you that you should not collect rent. If you take a risk and take your hard work money that you've made to purchase a real estate property to rent it out, you deserve to get your rent. This mindset is crazy. I don't understand. I don't, again, they're so left. I don't
4: even know what, what left that is, John. Reverend, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. There's a new idea coming to. How are you, sir?
2: Coming Another to common test. sense Democrat. Richard this Weinberg.
4: Is, this is what we need to do. We need to get all the Republicans to sign up on the day of the primary in August to become Democrats for a day and vote in that Democratic primary. Become a Democrat for a day. Democrats Republicans for a day. Democrats for a day. To, to have a common sense city, to bring New York City back. That's right. We have to win the Democratic primary for the congressional races and the state Senate. It's very important. I, I, the left I has to be, to be do, defeated.
10: I need them left. to do more than a day. Can they do two days? Two days? Do I hear three? What did Patrick Henry say? Listen, we, it isn't, you know, what's what's strategic about this is that we understand that most Americans want the same thing. They want to be able to come out of their homes and come back safe. They want to send their children to a school that educates their child gives them the opportunity to be able to soar in the land of milk and honey the United States of America and not be disturbed by people who do not want to work. If you don't want to work, you should, you you belong. Listen, we have no problem helping those who can't help themselves, but you can't do it by hurting others. If you don't want to work hard and have the opportunity to have a better life, that's on you. But, those who want to do that, they should have the opportunity to do that, and people who sacrifice so much to send their children to the Reverend, institutions. Reverend,
5: this I, is Rudy yes. Washington. I have a registration hey, change card for you.
10: Can oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you. you give me two days, Woody. <laughs> yeah. Two days.
2: Uh, thank you, uh, Reverend, and uh, thank you for fighting for New York, and we're going to fight side-by-side side with you, and uh, Rev- Reverend um Uh, Well, we've got Rudy Washington. Thank you for being here. And no, he's a deputy, deputy Deputy mayor. Mayor. And Ed Cox, uh, Judge Weinberg, uh, Lydia, my sidekick. And uh, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. way. Thank you, Reverend Al Cockfield. Thank you, too.